Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. We sung about it today. We've talked about it already. But I just want to talk a little bit more about the names of God. We've talked about it in the church circle. Like John said, I grew up in the church so I've, I've heard all the names of God. You have Jaira, you have Rasha, Rafa, which is provider and healer. And so growing up in the church, I, I thought, is God confused? Like, why does he have so many names? Like, what's that about? Like, could he just pick one? And so growing up, you're like, what's that about? But as I get older, I understand it so much more. And you see, for those who are probably wondering the same thing, like, what's up with that? I want to just remind you that it's not that he can't decide on a name, but it's that throughout the scripture, throughout the word, throughout history, people encounter God in a different way, in a different season, in different places. And in those moments, they actually see the revealing of God in a new way. And that's what the name comes from. So there's times where God showed up as provider and he showed up as healer. And he showed up as almighty. And I'm so grateful that we have that in scripture. One, so I know that I'm not that crazy. That I can see God in all the ways and all of the things that he's doing. And so I could be here all day and we could talk about all the names of God. Because there's a long list. There's Bible studies and curriculum. So let's start. I'm just kidding. Um, But today I do want to focus on at least two of them. And these are... Not to say that they're the best of all of them, but I think these two, the Lord's been ministering already today, and these two, I think, are most significant for the season we're in right now. And and it also has been most significant to me in the season that I'm in right now. So today, I want to talk to you about Jesus Revealed. The two names that I want us to focus on today, I'm going to start with, is the God who sees me. The God who sees me. Now, that's probably more El Roy I, but we're Southern, and I see El Roy. Good old El Roy Jesus showed up. The God who sees me. And we see this first with Hagar. So let's go read Genesis Chapter 16, 1 through 3. Nope, 1 through 13. I'm going to follow you on the screen because when I get up here, I can't read my notes. So, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian, Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go sleep with my servant, and perhaps you can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Surprise. He agreed. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram was settled in the land of Canaan. 
So Abram had sexual relations, that was my Bill Clinton impression, with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarai with contempt. She wasn't happy. When then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. Wasn't it though? I put my servant into your arms and now she's pregnant. She treats me with contempt. The Lord will show you who's wrong, you or me. And then Abram, like a good husband, look, she's your servant. You deal with her what you see fit. And Sarai treated her so, Hagar, so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside the spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. And you are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, praise the Lord, nobody said, as untamed as a wild donkey, and he will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? We don't just see God as Elroy with Hagar. That's where we first see it in scripture. But if we really dive into the word, we see it throughout. And I want to show you in John chapter 1. Philip went to look for Nathanael. Jesus is gathering his disciples Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, said Philip. Philip replied, as they approached, Jesus said, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man complete of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. He was amazed that Jesus saw him, the God who sees. And as these two accounts of scripture really help me understand that he is the God who sees me, there's another account that it might not be as obvious that I want to talk about. John chapter 8. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, he was back at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. He was speaking. The teachers of religious law, the Pharisees, brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. 
the law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I go and sin no more. Now, this scripture has been debated with theologists forever about what in the world did Jesus write in the, in the dust. I have heard sermons about, I bet he was naming everybody that had been with her. That's what they were doing. That's what he was doing. He was writing their names in that sand, but it doesn't tell us. And that preaches good, but there's just no evidence to it. And so I just want to propose a question. What if it had nothing to do with what he was writing? When you are filled with shame, where do your eyes go? They go down. I just want to propose the question, because again, it's not very clear in Scripture, but knowing God's character, I wonder, is the stooping down more to do with catching eyes with her? Is the stooping down more about connecting with the one who is downcast? Maybe. But he stood up and he stared at her face to face. And he saw her for all that she's done and still offered grace and forgiveness to her. He saw her, even the bad stuff, even the good stuff, he saw her. He is the God who sees. The second thing I want to talk about, the second name of God, the second way Jesus reveals himself is Emmanuel. And I know it's not Christmas. So you are like, yeah, that's a Christmas thing. We know, but it's so much more. Matthew one twenty three. we first see this term. We don't first see it, actually. We actually see it first in Isaiah because it's prophesied, but we see him revealing to Joseph like this. Matthew one twenty three. look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will be given, she will be given birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. And this is in the New Testament. We see this revelation. And in the Old Testament, we see Isaiah prophesying this exact thing, the exact words that God will be with us, Emmanuel. But as we are doing our study on Wednesday nights, this this came up, and it bears repeating, I think. I want to show you where Emmanuel came to three Hebrew boys in Daniel 3.25. Now Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. So just a little short little uh, summary of the story. Nebuchadnezzar built a statue, wanted everybody to praise them, praise the statue, don't praise any other god. 
Daniel, uh, the three Hebrew boys and Daniel said, we will not bow. So then they made a fiery furnace, one to throw them in, tied them up. And as they were in the furnace, let's read that again. If you put that back up, Heather. He said, I see four men unbound, walking around the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. The three Hebrew boys, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, knew Jesus as Emmanuel. He was with them. He was with them. And I want to know, and I mentioned this on Wednesday night, so um, innocent plug, Wednesday night Bible studies are amazing, and we uh, would love you to come. We're learning a lot. And here's something that was mentioned on Wednesday night Bible study that I feel like needs to be repeated. The scripture said, if you continue to read the account, that nothing was burned on the three Hebrew boys. Their clothes did not smell like smoke. Their hair was not singed at all. The only thing that burnt was the ropes that bound them. So I want to encourage you that Emmanuel isn't just a good sentiment. It's like, oh, Jesus is with me. Okay, Kanye made a whole song about Jesus walking with him, and it's great. However, there's so much more. Because when Jesus is with us, the only thing that the fire can burn if we allow it is the chains that bind us. There's power in his presence. I want to show you in Luke where Emmanuel showed up. This is after Jesus has been crucified, buried. They went to the tomb. They saw it empty. And the same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. And if you keep the account going, you will read how he discussed scripture with them about what was taking place. But let's skip down to verse 35. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them. And as they were walking along the road and how they recognized him when he was breaking bread. See, at first they didn't recognize him. They walked for... About almost seven miles, there was a long walk, and Jesus was with them, teaching them scripture of what happened. What exactly happened with the crucifixion and with the resurrection? And then he was able to be revealed to them. Then they saw him. It was when he came into their house to eat and he broke bread, they recognized Jesus. But Jesus was with them for a long time, and they didn't even know it. They didn't even recognize it. He was Emmanuel. What I love about this account, what I love about this story is that first we see God as El Rai, the God who sees. He saw them walking on the road, and then he became Emmanuel, God with them. And then at the end, he became the God they saw. I don't have a cool Hebrew word for that. 
the God who I saw. But that is still a name for Jesus. I don't know if you guys noticed. My little Jesus is just... If you came in late, you might have not noticed they were here at all, and that's okay, right? We're busy. And some of you, one of you counted 104. There was 200, so close. Price is right. Getting close is good. So throughout, you'll see these little Jesuses that have been displayed today. Some you'll see in the pockets in front of you in the chairs, Kind of like that Oprah moment. Well, reach under your chair. We'll see what you got. You might find Jesus. And as though this is really clever, this is not an original thought. I saw this on Facebook. Somebody sent me a video of a church youth group that went out and put a bunch of these little Jesuses out. Because they wanted to remind people that we can find Jesus in the most unexpected places. And if you were around the building today, you might have seen that as you were washing your hands in the bathroom, as you were in the lobby, as you were getting a cup of coffee in the cafe. You might have found Jesus in the most unexpected places. And that's what these little dudes are about. I know you guys were wondering. I kind of gave away evidence on the screen that I knew about them. So when you leave today, go ahead and take one as a little reminder that Jesus can be found And Jesus is Emmanuel, and Jesus is Elroi, even in the most unexpected places. So what is the point in all this, right? Like, this girl's over here talking, reading scripture, what's the point? I wanted to share that because I know that there's times in my life where I don't recognize Jesus. That the situation seems too dark. The situation seems too impossible. And to be honest, sometimes I'm just too distracted to even look for him. And like many of us that came in today might not even noticed where Jesus was. And so as I was preparing this, the Lord just really wanted me um, just to share what is true. And I can only tell you what is true based on what I experienced. And what the word says, obviously, right? Foundational. Okay, plug that in back in there. But in this season of life, I found myself wondering, where was Jesus? Jesus. I couldn't see him. I couldn't feel his presence. And remember, I was raised in this, so I know, Emmanuel, he's always here. He's always with me. I know he sees me, but I sure as heck couldn't find him. Where was he? And you notice that is like the first thing we ask when we go through things is, God, where were you? Where are you? And so as the wind got knocked out of us, I found myself in this position. The air has been, the wind knocked out of me, my eyes downcast, and 
as though I know Jesus is good. I couldn't feel that he was good. And I just wanted to share how the God who sees me became God, Emmanuel, God who is with us. And a lot of times in my life, I have asked God to prevent pain. Like, did the three Hebrew boys really had to go in the fire? Just wondering, like, they could have probably not. And so for me as a Christian, I think, God, you're with me, which means I am, you know, it's not it. That's not for me. I'm excused from pain because I'm with, you're with me. I put on this armor you've given me just as like a preventative measure. Like, I'm not going to use it. It's just for like, it's what you do. That's how what I wished anyways. I'm learning the order I get that armor was meant for battle. It's meant to get dinged up. So as many times in my life, I have felt I didn't know where God was. And I have felt like I didn't see him. He has always been so faithful to show me where he was. And I just want to share that there was a moment. I know that I'm talking weird because I'm asking the Lord how much to share right now. Like what details to say. But I'm just going to be open and transparent I was expecting a miracle from the Lord. I was expecting it. I knew he was good. I knew he was able. I knew his will was, was for, for all that, right? And it didn't happen. And during that time of the wind being knocked out of me and my eyes downcast looking at the ground, trying to go through the motions of life because everything felt dull and distant and not vibrant, what is there to be happy about the Lord was faithful to send little love letters you know through a kind word through his word through a song he always pursued even when I couldn't even fathom the strength to pursue him and so a few weeks ago in his goodness and mercy he showed me as I laid in the bed next to Raul as he was sleeping, didn't know anything was going on, but me and the Lord were in our thing. And he asked me if he could take me back to the moment where disappointment set in. And I know that sounds crazy. I need to get a shirt that says, like, get used to weird. Because if you stand around me long enough, I say weird things like that. But he asked if he could take me back to the moment. And I said, Sure. And so the Lord showed me, in my imagination, me laying in the bed, me looking at my phone, me getting the words that I did not want to read, the air releasing from my body as a gut punch came in. And all I could fathom was, I don't understand. I don't understand. And I said, okay, God, I see that. I see me there. I see that moment. And he said, now, ask me where I was okay, God, where were you? In that moment, where were you? And guys, it was beautiful. I then could see his arm around me. I could then see him laying in that bed with me. 
And as the breath took out of my body when I got that text, and that moment breath went right back into my body as I gasped and just knowing that God is so good. He didn't give me the answer. He didn't take away the pain, but he showed me his presence. He showed me the power of him being Emmanuel. He's with me in a way that I didn't even understand, in a way I didn't know that I could. And I'd like to say that's the only time, but he's done that so many times with me where he has taken me back to the moment. The moment pain came in, the moment hurt came in, the moment the dream was squashed, the moment all the expectations changed, and he showed me where he was in proximity to me. Bree, you can go ahead and come up, babe. And so I just want to ask you, who is Jesus revealing himself to be to you today? And that time I got to know Jesus, I'm still getting to know Jesus as my hope. As my hope. Jeremiah 29 tells us that he gives us a hope for a future. He knows the plans he has, and he's given us hope for a future. And when you're in a dark place, you can't see tomorrow. You need to know that there is a hope for tomorrow. I want to share Romans 15, 13, and then I'm getting out of the way. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray and this altar is always open and I don't, I'm not looking for a response. This is between you and Jesus. But I know that his invitation today is for us to see him again. See him again. To look on his face. And we, and, and Jordan said it, we look for this as in heaven, we will see him face to face. But the Lord's given this imagination to us and he sanctifies it and he uses it to show us his face now. I couldn't see Jesus' face for months. I would try to imagine, Lord, show me your face. I couldn't see it. It would, nothing would happen. It would be really blurry. And I thought, okay, okay, I guess it's not happening. And in that moment, in that night, when he took me back and he showed me where he was into proximity to me, I was able to see his face again, to look into the eyes of the one who loves me, to see what his hair and his face looked like and knowing that that, distance wasn't even it's a myth there was no distance it was always close but my eyes were too downcast to look and so I'm going to pray that God will do what he did to Saul on the road to Damascus in the house where Ananias came and prayed for him I'm going to ask that God will remove the scales that are preventing us from seeing him In this season, 
not in the hope of what's next and what, holding on to what was, but now, today, to see him. And is he revealing to himself to you as the God who sees you? The God who's with you? Is he revealing himself to you as God, your friend, your brother, your very present help in trouble, your father, the one who loves you? Father, thank you for the opportunity today to stand before my brothers and my sisters and just show them and tell them how good you are and how faithful you are that you are here. And Lord, the word says that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Emmanuel. El Roy. Thank you for being in this place, God. I thank you that this week you've already been preparing our hearts to come to this moment to ask you, who are you revealing yourself to me right now? Because I really don't know. This moment where the veil has already been lifted and you're reminding us that we can come. Lord, I pray that every scale on our eyes fall. Every callus from pain that the oil of your anointing would smooth and tenderize the hardness that you would give a heart of flesh again father thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness thank you for revealing who you are thank you for being the God we see We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.